It's that time again, right? Kick out the old welcome the new. Make your New Year's resolutions now. Go! everybody and more importantly happy new year and welcome to this week's episode of glory days of gold your east fife and scottish football podcast i'm joined as always by my i was going to say beautiful co-host but we'll go for host um michael mccall how are you doing michael i'm doing very well happy new year to to all our listeners thank you for your support during 2020 thank you for being with us through a difficult year we hope we've helped you get through was a difficult year and we've got a lot of fun things in store for you for 2021. Yeah Michael and I have got a lot of ideas and, and hopefully once the, the sort of Covid stuff dries up we'll be able to get in a bit more stuck into the things that we've got planned. You know one of the things that initially we had planned was the, the five fan zone section which I plan to just grab people for a quick chat um, after being at the game but I think yeah. that the format that we've developed with, with Gordon and 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 Doug has been really good and really popular. So I think that's something that will continue into 2021. Um, no sponsors this week. Um, you'll probably notice that I've not been pitching for sponsorship. I, I think that at this time it's, it's a bit um, hard for everybody um, involved. If you're feeling charitable, we've got Tony McMinner, assistant manager, who's doing the run every day for McMillan. So you can go over to Tony's Facebook um, or I could send you the link and you can give him a, a donation for McMillan. Or of course, if you could um, donate to your local food bank or any of the charities going around just now, that would be great. Um, and yeah, keep wearing your mask, keep distancing from everybody and, and, and try to keep everybody safe. Well, well, Michael, we've spoken a little bit about Christmas presents and our, our um, social media followers will have seen some of the stuff that you got, but I'll let you tell the people that don't follow us on Twitter what you got. Yeah, I always like to get some football stuff for Christmas. I think I mentioned in the, the Christmas special that I basically have to tell my wife what to get because she's no idea what to get me. So I treated myself to a, a Loch Ness FC football jersey. We'll talk a little bit more about them in Five Fan Zone. But if you haven't heard of Loch Ness FC, they play in the North Caledonian League. Check them out. Their strips are fantastic. I got the away strip, but their third kit is amazing. Their home strip is amazing. Um, it's got a nice little kind of Nessie design on it. So it's a proper football team. When I tweeted it out here in Canada, folk thought it was like a fabricated football team. It's like, no, they are a real football team. Then I got a couple of books as well. I got Snapshot, which is produced by Nutmeg Magazine, which is just a beautiful kind of photo essay of football grounds around Scotland and just some amazing shots and, and photographs in that. 
And then I got the third book in the series by Daniel Gray, who's also the editor of Nutmeg and had a lot to do with Snapshot. So it's kind of a Daniel Gray Christmas, which I, he's a, if anyone doesn't know who Daniel Gray is, he's a writer. He also does the When Saturday Comes podcast. And he's a guy I've wanted to have on my, my show here for a while, and I've just never got around to getting in touch with him. So I tweeted out that I wanted to get him on our shows and he's up for it. So we'll hopefully get a sit down interview with him next year. He's a Middlesbrough fan, but he lives in Edinburgh now. And he's of an age of mealy. So we've got this kind of rose tinted view of when football was actually shit, but we actually think it was good. So his, his books are kind of things that have disappeared from football, like the football pink, which I think was probably still around when, you never got, it was a newspaper that you would get on a Saturday night. They used to sell it like Edinburgh Waverley. It would be a football pink. Wow. When up in that did disappear. That This is the days really, be, obviously, before online where you would get off your train after being at an away game. You'd buy the football pink, which had been rush produced within half an hour of all the games finishing. And it had the results and reports and football stuff and other sports stuff. Yeah, I'm old. Anyway. Yeah. That was my Christmas presents. What about you, Lee? I know that you got a something special in your stocking. Yeah, um, after the the show, and I'd made the, the hint to my wife, she bought me Diego Maradona's autobiography. Um, she then pretended to pull out Pele's one, um, which would have been very fun <laughs> follow through with it. But yeah, um, I don't know if any of have seen the stuff online, but Pele seems to be getting a little bit of pelters these days after... Um, Messi beat his, his goal scoring record um, and oh. Santos are trying to dispute it so um, there's been loads of great memes like Pele scoring two goals past his nephews in the park and he's put them in his official goal tally and stuff so it's not just me that thinks this this, this is <laughs> um, but yeah um, so apart from that El Diego was my, was my big Christmas present um, for that was football related this year what about your New Year's Mikey you got any New Year resolutions? never really make them I kind of I'm, I'm not a big fan of New Year in general really and it wasn't much different for me this year because we don't really go and do much over here I used to go like been to Edinburgh and a place in Perthshire that I was trying to remember where it was they did a kind of torch burning ceremony through the streets that was one of the best things I ever did the I miss doing stuff like that, but yeah, just a quiet new year, didn't do much, no resolutions. What about yourself? No resolutions, I think I'm perfect enough, um, so don't really need to be making any changes. No, look at them. No, quiet new year for me too. Obviously, not, not many pubs and stuff to go out to. My wife doesn't drink, so I don't tend to, to drink a lot in the house. I think I had one bottle of beer, um, which was, was more than enough. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to 2021 and, and hopefully getting some, some normality back in it. At some point, I mean, I think 2020 has been a, a bit of a tumultuous year across all aspects in life. Um, you know, one, one of the things I wasn't going to bring up on the, on the show, but I will now, but um, we lost my auntie to, to COVID um, oh. last week, um, which, was, which was horrible. Oh, sorry um, to hear that, man. Oh, it's all right. Um, it's, it's, it's one of my dad I'm, I'm, I'm upset for. It was his sister. So, you know, the, it, it's starting to get a little bit more scary now that, you know, it was always people that were further and further away that you heard of getting it. But then when it comes home, it really does sort of hit home that message, you know, um, that, that, that life's short and, and you, you never know what's going to, 
be around the corner, and especially with COVID. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely 2020 has been a, a very strange year. I mean, you only have to look at some of the, the, the big legends that we've lost in terms of football um, across, you know, celebrity, musicians, whoever. Um, I, I'm, I've never been more glad to see the back of a year than I have been in 2020, definitely. Yeah, I... I was genuinely heartbroken at the end of last year when the wrestler Brody Lee died. Luke Harper, as he was in WWE, I, I loved AEW. He was, he was just a great guy all round. And watching the AEW tribute show to him this week, I didn't stop crying throughout it. It was just like beautiful. And that was from non-COVID lung disease, just 41. And it just all of a sudden hit him and he was airlifted to hospital and was in the ICU for a couple of months before passing away. So, I mean, it's it's we've lost a lot of folk. We've lost a lot of folk to COVID. In football terms, it, it was a weird year. Like, I go and watch amateur games, as I've talked about here, but professional-wise, I only saw four football matches at a professional level uh, in 2020 in three different countries as well, I realised. One in Canada two in Scotland and one in England. So that was, thankfully I got my trip over in February before all this kind of hit. But yeah, to, to go through a year where it's just been four actual football matches that I've attended is kind of nuts. Yeah, it's, it's insane, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I think that you might have to be something like George Galloway to, to get in a game these days with, oh, sorry. It's yeah. Bad, isn't it? But I mean, yeah. I mean, that, was, that, was, that was a, like, Idiots all round, basically, including Queen of the South, which I don't know what they were thinking. You know, I think, I don't know if, if you listen to talk sport across there or, or if any of our listeners do, but um, Alan Brazil does a, a bit of him every day, and it's his nump day of the week. <laughs> Someday every week, and, and Queen of the South, I don't know if um, they got picked, but definitely should be um, contenders for, for nump day of the week. Um, because, I mean, to, to release a statement and then have to release another one um, almost immediately after it because of how poor worded the first one was. Um, I think second on that list for a number day of the week would probably be Leeds United after their... Oh, yeah. Um, I, I would, I'm going to say mistake on, on social media um, and I think that they, they should, you know, retract their statement and accept responsibility that poor women's had to leave Twitter now for the level of abuse that she was getting. Yeah, um, well, yeah. I... At the same time, though, I, I understand, like, I, I hate Leeds. Sorry yeah. to our, our friends in Leeds that listen to this. I, I've just always not liked Leeds United. They did have a point, though, in, like, calling her out for her comment. And if it had been someone else, like Gary Lineker or someone else that had made the comment, I don't think it would have got that kind of reaction but unfortunately, because it was a woman, it then turned into the sexist and misogyny aspect of it. Um, some of the comments that I saw were like absolutely shocking. Yeah, I mean, misogyny in football is something which is prevalent. You know, it's, yeah. you know, you don't have to go to any ground where there's a female linesman and it'll be shouts of, you know, oh, you know, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be doing ironing or whatever? And it's just so dated now. And you just sort of roll your eyes at it. I mean, I know that 
Isla English, um, Eastwood fan, was a qualified referee for a while, and some of the abuse that she used to get um, when she did it as well is it's insane. But you know, I think that that leads me the mistake with that, um, and and hopefully they'll come out and and say you want to walk, but we shouldn't have done that. But they're at the stage now where they're saying, well, if we delete our tweet, it's only going to make it worse with with the, the re uproar of it. But I don't actually entirely disagree with what she was saying because. The, the league didn't get finished in the championship from what I remember. That yeah, right? and Leeds have blown it in the past. So, she, you know, I, I take her point. I, oh, I no, sorry, think... it did get finished, but they had the big gap. So the point that she was making was they had that rest to kind of yeah. recuperate, whereas yeah. in the past they've faded out towards the end of um, the season. Sorry. My apologies. Um, but, you know, they, they have blown it in the past. So, you know, I don't think that she was entirely wrong in what she was saying, but... The, the sort of blowback from that, you know, you've, you've got to be extremely careful what you, you say these days. And, you know, I, I've said stuff on this uh, podcast in the past that I've, I've listened back to and went, oh, probably shouldn't have said that, you know, something that you've maybe just said at the time. For example, like when I said that we would beat Falkirk at the start of the year, uh, at the start of the season, and um, Donald Walker gave me pelters for it on Facebook, you know, we're never going to beat Falkirk. Where are we, Donald? All joking aside, mate, like, you know, it was great to see us get that win today. 2-1 win, and I'm sure that you'll be just as happy as I am. Oh, you had to get that one in. <laughs> but, I mean, like, looking at positives from, from 2020, there's obviously Scotland reaching the the first major championship since 1998. That's the biggest positive in all of Scottish football. Yeah. What would be your other positives, like, from an East Fife perspective or just in football in general that that you look back on 2020 with some joy. I know there's maybe not a lot to pick from, but... I'll be honest with you, I think football in 2020 has been saviour for a lot of people um, in terms of, you know, giving them something to look forward to or giving them something to actually do by watching it. I mean, we started this podcast essentially in lockdown because we wanted to just talk about football and and bring the interviews to, to, to listeners who maybe didn't have anything better to do. And it's just sort of rolled on into something more than that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that for me, the highlight of 2020 football related has been doing this podcast. It, it's, it's really reinvigorated my love for not just East Fife, but football in general. And I'm, I'm taking more of an interest in things that I'm seeing across the board, whereas I've maybe sort of fallen out of love with football a bit. Um, so, yeah, 2020 for me has definitely re- reignited my love for football. I've got to say, like, doing this podcast has got me paying a lot more attention to Scottish football. Like the last couple of years, I've looked at East Fife, I've watched sports scene, and I've now watched less Premier stuff, but I'm paying a lot more attention across the board to the, the other leagues and what's going on with teams in our division and transfers. So I've, I've enjoyed that. It's been really nice like reconnecting with you as well. And I've got some stats for you that I, I kind of dug out last night. So we've been going for eight months. This is our 30th episode. We've had just over 9,300 downloads over that eight months for the the 30 episodes. Now, the recent episodes, they've kind of plateaued a little bit. So two to 300 or 150 to 300 is kind of our our average thing. All the the best listened episodes were, were the early ones. But a lot of that makes sense as well because folks' lives have kind of got a bit back to normal. Folk were working and folk were out and about more than they were. Maybe now that there's more lockdowns coming 
and we're going to get some more interviews done, they'll go back up again. 89% of the downloads are in the UK. 3.12 from the US, which is our second biggest market. 2.09 from Canada and then Australia and New Zealand. But overall, we have been listened to in 37 countries. That's random, but okay. <laughs> I checked the, the AFTN one as well. And obviously, we have a lot more international players of people taking interest in that. And we've been listened to in 61 countries this year, including like Azerbaijan and Nepal, which I'm like, I'm not quite sure what they're making of my chocolate digestive sections and stuff like that. But in general, it's great to, to have people listening. I'm delighted that we've also had someone listen to Glory Days of Gold from the Faroe Islands. Oh, really? Yeah, that made my day when I saw that one. I wonder if it's just because we've talked about it. and Possibly. But for example, I know that I've got a, a friend, Alan Buckley, he's a, he's a regular listener and he works in the oil industry, so he'll probably be downloading it wherever he is and he's, it tends to be like Nigeria and, and places like that. So there's every chance there's that and there's there's other, you know, more far-flung people um, that we know across it. So yeah, that's, that's a bit of a random stat. I like that. Yeah, so I mean, it's been fantastic. I... I... Like one one of my best football memories from being at a game this year was when I, I got to go down to People Rovers and, and Glenrothes because I was just seeing Glenrothes in their first game that I'd seen them not being a junior side and to check out a wonderful little ground like People's where you really could just walk into it without paying, but everyone was just being honest and paying. It was just, it's an open pitch. But if you ever get a chance to check out some of these non-league stadiums when Benice Five's not playing and we can travel again and do stuff, then then definitely do that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a, a good year all round. Obviously, we had our Christmas special, which I know was a bit different, and I kind of surprised Lee. He didn't have a lot to to do with it. So what what did you make of it, honestly? Like what what did you make of it? I really enjoyed it. I, I loved the the takeout section, the, the Dick Insider and stuff. I was absolutely killing myself at that. Um, I really enjoyed the interview with David and um, listening back to that. Um, and, and and by the way, can we talk about us reaching from the newspapers again? Yeah, uh, that I mean, the whole thing with David is bizarre to start with. But we've had an article in the Courier. We've also had one in the Evening the Telegraph as well. Yeah. Who seems to think my podcast over here is called The Vancouver White Space Caps. And it's like, no, that's the name of the team. And there's yeah, no space in between them. Crazy journalism, that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I was like, I think David had a lot to do with that because they had quotes from him and he'd submitted pictures and stuff. I don't yeah. know how it all came about because you thought it was me. And it's like, I had nothing well, to do with this. I think it was you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's totally insane, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely insane that a, a little tidbit from our shows reached the person who wrote the song and is now going into the press and stuff. It's, it's absolutely insane. But it, it just shows you what a, a mental year 2020 has been. Well, I, I was speaking to one of the journalists here about it and I said, to be honest, I think it's just journalists are sick of having to write stuff about COVID and it's like any kind of story that they can do that's non-COVID related, a bit of fun it's just nice to have just now and yeah it's been it's been good i i enjoyed the the interview with david we had some good feedback on it as well and we had it in both our shows which was the first time that we've 
done that and uh that show will be on canadian radio tomorrow because it's on a week's delay so lee will be having his canadian radio debut Oh, what an emotional moment it is for me. <laughs> my mum, my dad, Jesus. Uh, it's uh, def- definitely random. And if you'd asked me at the start of 2020 if I thought I'd be in Canadian radio, the answer would most certainly have been no. Uh, <laughs> one that I want to shout out, actually, Scott Ingalls, um, who's gave us a lot of support and, and put us in the, the East Fife Mail when we launched. And um, I, I sent him a little tweet on uh, Hogmanay, thanking him for the support. And one of the things that he replied back to me that I absolutely loved was that when he's taking the picture, when he's interviewing Darren or whatever, he always tries to frame it so that he gets the Glory Days of Gold logo in the oh, back nice. of the newspaper, goes online and stuff. So yeah, that, that was great. We've, we've had some incredible, incredible support. You know, if we go back, the the money for the board, the sponsorship of Danny Swanson, um, you know, the, the donate a ticket, we've, we've had incredible support from our listeners. Um, you know, guys like John Scott Neal with, with several donate, donations across the line, Hendry Ireland, you know, people putting their hands in their pockets, not only to support us, but to support the club. And and that is unbelievable. So so thank you so, so much. It's been fantastic. So, yeah, thanks, everyone. So just before we, we get to, to Five Fan Zone, we're, we're going to have our Have You Heard feature. And it might be the last Have You Heard that we do because we might change things up a little bit. Lee and me have been talking about that. So I, I just wanted to get this one in just in case we do. I, I've talked a lot about the Edinburgh rapper Mad Hat McGore. And when you think of Scottish rap, you might think, oh, it's just shouting and aggressive stuff. But a lot of it is actually very melodic. And it's actually rapping in conjunction with uh, some nice songs in the background. So I just want to play this because I think 2020 was all about enjoying the simple things in life and just really appreciating what you've got in your life and the simple things in it. So this is from 2013, Mad Hat McGore, Simple Things. Come on. It's been a long time since we sat and watched the sun go down on Edinburgh It's, it's the simple it's things in life that make it. me smile So all of it is simple, simple, simple But we don't get to do those things Cause we're too busy chasing dreams It's the simple things in life that make me smile They simple things like I'm 23 now and done a load of shit Been a load of places, can't I'm wonder But I sat back thinking about the past times and laughs So I put plenty of paper and I write rhymes and hat simple things Make me grin like nights I've had good mates around a little place with pints And that walks in black for the nights back in my bed You left a little breath, no doubt I sat and hand at the First thought in my head when I rise last One at night when I'm closing my eyes Man, you need to meet a far too good but I'm a dreamer Sit back writing, hearing tunes out my speaker The pickle that I'm in, man, it's half of the fun And nobody knows fuck all, so never laughing when it comes so when the sun sets, man, it brings the dark A big smile on my face when the singing starts It's been a long time since we sat and watched The sun go down on Edinburgh It's the simple things in life that make me smile So all 
Nine times up at your old bit Standing at the back door Blazing in cold winds Watching the sun fall to earth Like it folds in I never thought that one day We'd grow up one load And we both got jobs And both got plans And busy lives So it's healthy to catch up On tipsy nights A grim Mayfield in Jakes and Misty Pints Always end up Fuck laughing Pissed up things So what's happening? How's the new house? I'm still babbling Up on my new tunes now I still see Pete And got bad teeth And still got my cheek I'll still tax your beat Some in a pickle bowl But it's half of the fun And nobody knows buckles And now I'm laughing at cunts So when the Sunsets, man, it brings a dark, a big smile on my face when the singing starts. So the simple things there, Mad Hat McGore, talking about the last time he can't remember him and his mate sitting and watching the sun go down in Edinburgh. Hopefully I can get over at some point in 2021 and watch the sun go down in Edinburgh again myself and get some games in. And obviously, maybe with Lee, yeah, nice romantic time with Lee. Or if if Lee's not available, I'm happy to take Rachel. Just throw throw that out there just now. But yeah, hopefully when I when I do come over, it'll be to to watch an, an East Fife win like we had today, Lee. Oh, beautiful, beautiful! I love being able to say this. Welcome to this week's Fife Fan Zone on the back of an East Fife win against Falkirk. Well, what a way to kick off the new year. We've got a 2-1 win over the league leaders nonetheless. Great performance from East Fife today. We're going to unpack it now in Fife Fan Zone. Let's welcome our usual Motley crew. We've got Doug Perry. Hello, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year to you, Doug. We've got Gordon Henderson. Hello, Happy New Year, everyone. And the man with the plan, Lee Gillis. And I hope that everyone has a, a more than average New Year. Hello. Yes, that's maybe not as positive as the others, but let's just go for that. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, I think that is maybe the best we can hope for, judging by by twenty twenty. Keep your expectations low, and then you can only just be happy come this time next year, hopefully. But yes, we've started twenty twenty one the way that we're going to go on. I I, I think. It's only fitting that we get the first comment of the new year to Doug Perry. 
Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, uh, much appreciated. Um, just obviously delighted that we're unbeaten this whole year. Um, a lot of people said it wasn't possible. Mm. Um, the Invincibles. We, well, you know, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But but yeah, it's 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 looking likely. I, I mean, it definitely is, and it's two one today. I think it was well deserved as well. I mean, we'll, we'll get into all the ins and outs of the game, but I mean, let's just go around everyone. I I genuinely thought we put in a great shift today. The stats at half time. I haven't seen the final full time stats, but. 58% possession, four shots to, I think it was just two of Falkirk. It didn't feel commanding in a lot of ways, but I think, Gordon, it really was a, a well-deserved victory. And I don't want to say we controlled the game because there was a few scary moments, but we, we handled the adversity that was thrown at us and I think fully deserving of the three points in the end. Yeah, I thought we really did deserve it. Um like you said, I don't think we dominated it, but, uh, you know, you felt Falkirk were always in it. They were always dangerous. Um, but I think when you you just take the game overall, you look at the chances created, you look at the stats, uh, I think you just got to say we deserved it. I think even with the chances we created, even if we'd won 3-1, I don't think it would have been an injustice. Uh, we, we played really, really well. A few nervy moments at the at the end, Lee, but that's only to be expected. I mean, Falkirk were kind of just playing to get anything out of it. If I'd gone into the game and someone said, that's going to be two all at the end of it, you'd have been like, ah, I'll take that. That's not bad. If it had finished 2-2 at the end of the, the 90 plus minutes, I'd have been gutted because we deserved all three from that. Yeah, I think it would have been one of those games that Going from a win to a draw would have felt like a defeat. Um, I think that for the, for the majority of the game today, I think that, that Falkirk definitely had a purple patch just after the, the start of the, the second half. But I, I mean, I, I think that the, the performance in the whole was excellent. I thought that we were great up top. I thought that we were resolute defensively for the most part. Don't get me wrong, there was a, a few mistakes in there which can only be um, expected. But I think that t- today the, 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 the majority of the kudos has to go to Kevin Smith, who I thought was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few standout performances. We'll, we'll go over a, a lot of them, like all over the pitch, at the front, at the back, just everything really. And I mean, Doug, the, the end of the game, it did get a little bit nervy. But I, I think the big things to take from this is... It was another win at home, so solidifying the home form. We got a win against one of the top teams for the first time this season as well. But also, I think from a defensive standpoint, when when Falkirk were, were turning the pressure up towards the end there, I genuinely thought they were going to get a second goal and tie it up. So it's a huge confidence boost for the defence that they managed to see that game out as well. Definitely. Um I, I think the way it kind of panned out is what you'd normally expect. I think that I also think it doesn't matter who you play, but if you're one goal up on anyone, it seems to be that they have that little spell where they lump into the box continuously. But I think really, if you think about it, during that injury time, there was maybe only about a minute or so it was kind of peppering our box. But the mm. rest of it, we did it. You know, the the hold up play up in the corner a couple of times, a couple of occasions was very good. Wasted like a, a whole two minutes at least, you know. Um, so in that respect, it was great. I, yeah, look, I never felt 
I never massively felt they would score. I mean, I think that's the that's the, the pessimistic view that watching East Fife over the years has given us. But no, nah, I felt pretty confident they were they weren't doing anything to surprise us. It was you know they brought on um, Dunlop because they knew it was just going to be balls in the box and and yeah, I thought we dealt with them pretty well. It, it was it was pretty comfortable. I thought it was just quite a comfortable win. I mean, the flip side of that, Gordon Falkirk were. For me, quite lacklustre, quite underwhelming today. I mean, I know they're league leaders. They're going through a bit of a slump now. That's three straight games without a win for them. The, the pack's now closing in on them. But for a, a team that you thought, oh, yeah, they're going to be up there or thereabouts for the whole season. I mean, the, the game through in Falkirk and the game today, two different animals from an East Five point of view because... I think, and they, they touched on this in the commentary, in the game through there, we didn't really threaten Falkirk at all. But we threatened them today, and it showed you that if you kind of put the pressure on them, they're no great shakes. Yeah, I think that's it. You always compare Falkirk to that game through in Falkirk. And, you know, it was obviously some combination of them having a good game, us being pretty terrible, but they looked like a team at least one whole league above us through there. So you always compare that to today and you think, ah, they didn't look anything like that today. It looked, you know, I thought we were really good today. Um, if you go back to last season when we were challenging Falkirk and Wraith at the top, you know, it was a bit of a game like that. I thought it was, you know, potentially we, we just looked like two teams who were about the same level and, you know, we were just better on the day. Um, I think a massive part of that is how well, you know, Falkirk aren't doing that well. They haven't won in three games now. But a massive part of that is we were a completely different team today. I mean, that 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 Falkirk game earlier was probably our worst performance of the season. Um, and we were brilliant today. I think if you were a Falkirk fan watching it, you'd look at it and think, how's that the same team? How's that the same team we beat at Falkirk to today? Um, yeah, I thought we were excellent, you know. Middle to back, you know, we were pressing them. We didn't give them an inch. There was a couple of mistakes and and I thought we were, you know, we were really quick getting forward. We were really good at capitalising uh, on their mistakes today. And we created a lot of chances. And again, we, you know, we could have scored more, but just all round, really good performance from us. Yeah, a lot to take out of it, Lee. I mean, an all-round performance is definitely what, what you can say. But, I mean, there's just so many positives that you can take from it that's going to set this team up good now for, for the rest of the season. The fact that they, they let a goal in to, to equalise right at the start of the second half and the, the pessimist in you, from as light from Doug said, watching East Fife for years, you're like, ah, well, here we go. That's, that's going to be Falkirk take over in this half. But they didn't let their heads go down. They just were like, okay, we've given a goal up. Let's knuckle down and let's get back to doing what, what we did in the first half. So, I mean, that was another good aspect, seeing the game out. I, I think this season, it's been hard to really know what this East Fife team is, like what our identity is, what our, just basically what we're about. Are we a good team? Are we a team capable of challenging for the playoff positions? Are we a mid-table team? We've debated it on this show for, for the last few weeks as well. One result 
doesn't mean that we, we know exactly what kind of team we are. But the signs are there that, that this is a, a good team waiting to break out. And maybe we just need to string some results together. We've got some difficult fixtures coming up because the, the next league games, it's Clyde away. And then we've got Cove Rangers at home. So, I mean, t- take a couple of wins out of that. It's a whole different story. Looking at the league table, and we'll, we'll get into how the rest of League One played out today. We are like six points off second with two games in hand. So, again, we, we could be a, a team that's challenging at the top. We just don't know yet. Ultimately, we need some consistency now. Yeah, I think that the, the consistency has got to be a, a, a major part of it. And I think that next week a massive test against Trenent and I, I think that people are maybe laughing at me saying that but you know you only have to look at the Dundonald game um, earlier on in the week where they, they really did step up their game against Queen's Park and, and these other these sort of smaller clubs are, are definitely going to be up for the fight because they'll want to get to the next round and maybe get the chance to draw hearts and be on the TV or Rangers or Celtic or whoever so I think that next week is, is really important and we shouldn't lose sight of the importance of that going into next week I don't want to see us changing the, the lineup too much. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, let's keep, try and keep the momentum going. Back to an earlier thing that you said about, about us conceding the early goal in the second half. I thought that that was the making of the game for us because it just really put our tails up. Um, I think that had we left it at 1-0, we would have tried to defend a 1-0 lead. So I think that to for conceded that goal, it just sort of gave us a, a little bit of a joke to go, right, okay, we need to get ourselves back in this. And then again, apart from the, the opening 10 minutes of the second half, I thought we absolutely cruised it. Um, I think that there's there's so many positives to take out of it. But the, the one thing that I want to talk about before we do anything else is is Brett uh, Brett's safe. Is, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go buzz out here and say that's the best save I've seen at Bayview. I, I can't remember seeing a, a, better, a better save. I remember Scott Fox having one. Um, but apart from Scott Fox's, I, I think that, that that is as good as a goal at the other end. Because I'd, I'd literally, I'd, I'd sat back down in my chair and I was like, ready to, you know, shout an expletive or whatever. But I was like, that's not going in. He saved that. And mm. It was absolutely outstanding. I let out a massive, whoa, when he pulled that off. Like, over here on our AFT in Canada site, I always do end of year awards, end of season awards, and we always have like save of the year, miss of the year. And over the every year, I'm always like, oh, I need to write these down over the course of the season, and I'm always forgetting. Um, but something like that is one of those moments that sticks in your head. That's surely going to be an East Fife save of the year. Yeah, but equally, if you're, we're going to have a miss of the year, we need to talk about Aggie's one. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> literally, it fell to Agnew. And, and, you know, this time last season, you're like, I don't want that to fall to anybody else because that's a goal. He just seems to be lacking so much confidence just now. And, you know, a, a year ago, that was a goal, but I, I, I don't know what happened. It was, I don't know if he saw the headlines before they were written or whatever, but that's definitely got to be down with a, a chance of being missed of the season as well. Yeah, that... Yeah, there, there was a couple, I mean, there was a lot of missed chances today. We could have really been out of sight. And this was a 2-1 victory. The, I mean, Falkirk had their chances. So, I mean, it, they could have got two or three as well. But we easily could have got four, five, six goals if, if the ball had kind of fallen. Let, let's get in into the goals then, just to, to kick things off with the actual analysis of, of what took place in the game. A, a quiet 
opening period, really, in, in terms of real clear-cut chances. But we we kind of turned it up a bit and then took the lead with a, a great bit of opportunism. Kevin Smith tucking it away. What, what did you make of that one, Doug? Uh, oh, it was it was all about the delivery. Um, it was a great ball in from uh, Agnew. As, as uh, God said during co-commentary, um, he's got to put it in the corridor of uncertainty. <laughs> and, and boy, did he. Now, it was a great ball in. I, I actually, before the game, I noticed on Pine Bovril that um, Falkirk fans were kind of bemoaning their ability to defend back post um, balls in and stuff, which is kind of, I think, where both goals in the end came from. Um, so whether that was maybe looked at, you know, by the by the players' management beforehand, I don't know. But it was a great ball in and a little bit of the famous Irishman Rick O'Shea, and it fell to Kevin Smith, and he and he buried it. Yeah, and at the time, probably deserved it. Not much, as you said, not much had happened before that, but um, gave us a massive foothold in the game. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, I I was slowed dragging my ass out of bed this morning, but I got up just in time like perfect timing to, to see that go in. And I mean, the, it, it was like well taken, but yeah, the delivery was fantastic, Gordon. And it just shows again what this team is capable of. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it was particularly good as kind of Lee touched on. Um, it was particularly good to see it come from Agnew because I think he's not been bad this season. I wouldn't criticize him. Um, but I think certainly when you're looking at, you know, how involved he is directly in goals, how many goals he scores, how many goals we score from his deliveries, it has not been the same this season as it has been in previous seasons. Um, and whether that's a confidence issue or, or whatever, um, it's really good to see that from him. You know, you know that he's a player that's got that. We know he's a fantastic player. Um, and... You know, to think that you know we can play as well as we have for the past couple of games, and you still feel Agnew's got another gear or two. Um, so you know, particularly goal, that's good to see. Um, but I thought, I mean, I, I kept waiting for for Falkirk to start dominating, and I think after they scored, I, I, I did think, all right, it's probably going to be sort of backs to the wall. They're probably going to go on to win now. It never happened. We just kept going the same, um, which I think, you know, as a fan watching, it gives you a lot of confidence in the team. You know, you think, you expect them to sort of crumble a wee bit and they just completely stand up to it and keep playing really well. So, yeah, today, you know, we have played well in the, uh, in certain games this season, but to, today's really the game where that's got me thinking, all right, yeah, you know what, I think we are a good team. You know, there maybe has been that question mark, but I think we're going to be all right. Um, I think we're going to push to the playoffs. Yeah, the, the thing with, with this league just now, like looking at the table, it's so tight. And like every single team, probably apart from Forfer, realistically could go on a run. And I mean, Forfer could go on a run, but they were utter pish when we played them a couple of weeks ago. So that, that would be stunning if, if they went on a run. But... It's like every team's got to fancy them themselves for getting in that top four. You just need to squeak into the top four and then be in form by the time that the playoffs come. Hopefully there will be playoffs this year. Everything's pointing in the right direction, at least for that. But you want to be 
you want to have that momentum lee at the right time and i think maybe starting off the season up and down hasn't been too bad because we've started off like the last two years off like a train and then we've kind of run out of a little bit of steam but now maybe we're kind of like slow build and then we're going to kind of really kind of push on now down the stretch I think that the, the, the important thing that we need to get on the board to start getting some points away from home is I think that our, our home form isn't the issue, that the away form is the issue. And I think that until we really break that duck, then I, I don't want the duck to become a hoodoo because as I don't want it to be every time that we're going to be at home, we're like, well, we're not going to get anything here. Right, we're not going to get anything here. So, you know, our home form has been great. But until we start replicating that home form with away form, that's when I'll start to maybe truly believe that we can make a, a, a goal for the playoffs. It'd be interesting to to ask Darren or, or, or Tony, really, why they think that's been the case, like the home form and the away form. I mean, we've talked about it now every week, basically. But it's an interesting one because it's not as if the home teams have got an advantage of the fans being there and like lifting their team over the line. It's not like here where you're traveling on planes and stuff to, to go to away games. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And are they just more comfortable in the surroundings at Bayview? Does the pitch give them a bit of an advantage? You have to feel a little, but there's so many teams now got the, the plastic pitches that does it really do that? I mean, like, just throw this op- open to, to everyone. If you were putting your finger on why there is the difference, can you put your finger on why there's a difference between home and away right now? Um, it would be the, the, the pitch. I can't, I can't think of anything else. You think it's that big? Um, I, th- I think so, because, I mean, you've got to... It could just be that, you know, they're used to the, the sort of lay the land on it. Because mm. you, you don't know sometimes when you go away and, and certainly playing in plastic pitches down the year, you know, you, there'll be some places that there's a depth, there'll be some places that, you know, maybe the, the Astro isn't as good quality as what we've got, because I know that ours is definitely held in high regard in, in terms of professional standard and stuff. I, I think that that's a massive thing, because um, I remember years ago when we didn't have a plastic pitch and we played on grass, you would go to a team that played on plastic and we would generally lose. Mm. So I, I think that it definitely weighs on the, the mind uh, of the players. It's maybe it's more psychological than anything else. The, the bounces are, are certainly different. And like from watching so many games here over the years on them, it's like there's definite bounces. And when when you get a player that's maybe never played on it before, like we get a lot of guys that come up from South America or whatever, even when Kenny Miller was here, it took a little bit of him getting used to, like the ball would come and he'd be lining up to suddenly volley and then it would take a bounce that took it away from him and made him look terrible because it's like, what's he doing? He doesn't know how to play. But do you think the pitch is that big an advantage, Doug? Uh, I, I don't, to be honest with you. Um, I think, I mean, there's only, what, three teams in our league that don't have a plastic pitch. And it's been years and years and years we've been playing games on plastic, whether it's away or home. I, I honestly think the only thing I can really think of is, for us now, is, is momentum. I think we're playing at home and the players are like, right, we're, we're playing at home, so we're going to win. We're going away. And the, the, like Lee said, it's that... Monkey off the back. I think if we get a win, then we'll not. We'll just not even talk about this again. It's. Mm. It's. I. I think although they're not travelling miles, I think you know going up and whether it's I'm guessing it's like separate cars now all the way to Peterhead. Yeah. You know, I, I think it makes a big difference. I think the fact that you know if you're an away team 
previously, you're going up in the bus together, you've got that team spirit, you're going up, you know, the, the manager will probably have, might even have little things about tactics on the way up. There's, you know, loads of things. Whereas now you're just kind of meeting at the ground and, yeah, I, I, I generally do think it will make a big difference. It shouldn't make as big a difference as we are showing at the moment, but as I say, I, Nick, Clyde away is big to get just, we talked about it before the game it got called off, but just get that point, anything, you know, just Let's get let's get motoring away from home because uh, I mean there's no game in this league, no game at all that you're going in thinking right oh, we're going to lose this or you know there's none there's no game beforehand that I would not say oh, I'll, I'll take a point I don't think I would take a point before any game in this league because the, the, you know there's not that much between teams I don't think. Well, yeah, I mean that that is the thing, Gordon. It's like. I think many of us probably expected Partick, Falkirk to, to run away a little bit with it. And then you're maybe battling for the, the third and the fourth spots. Falkirk, yeah, they're top just now, but they're going through a bad patch. Thistle have had injuries, but they are struggling, like mid-table and a couple of games in hand, I know. But I think Partick's maybe a great example to show this is a very even league and it's not an easy league. No team, whether you're full-time or not, is going to come into this league and just walk your way out of it and and just like run away with it. What, what's your thoughts on the pitch and just how do you make sort of the parity in the league this year? Do you think it's up for grabs for everyone? I think um, I, I probably agree with Doug. And I, I think the pitch might make a difference. I don't think it's going to make, you know, if we've what have we picked up now? What? Is that um we had one draw from... and I think four home wins? Yeah, thirteen from fifteen at home, zero from twelve away. I don't think that's the pitch. I think what Doug was saying about the travel, and I hadn't thought about that before, but I think that probably will make a difference. I think mm. if you're used to going up on the bus and kind of being with the team, being with the management, relaxing a wee bit, and now you're driving yourself. Um, I think that probably will make a difference. But then I think mostly what's on top of that, it's become a bit psychological. You know, we're confident at home. We're not so confident away. And the other side of that is our opponents know what our home for, for form is and they know what our away form is. You know, Falkirk would have been coming in today go, going, oh, East Fife have won their last three games at home, including beating Airdrie 2-0. They would have come in with a, that little bit more trepidation than, than I think they would have if it was in Falkirk. Um, and it, as far as the league, I think, you know, we've all got into this habit of going, if there's a full-time team in League One, they're going to run away with it. You know, they should be winning the league by 20 points. They'll beat everyone. And it rarely does that happen. I mean, usually full-time teams, it's rare that they don't finish in the top four. And, you know, I think the... Smart money would still be on Falkirk or Partick winning yeah. the league. But I think what the last few years have shown is that even if they tend to do well and be at the top, it's very rarely did they run away with it. I mean, Wraith struggled to get out of the league. Falkirk have you know, generally been performing below people's expectations. Partick have had a very difficult start. And I think... It is the same. There's not. I don't think there's so much difference now between the bottom full-time teams and the top part-time teams because all these guys are so fit. You know, Kenny Duker was talking about 
Well, in the last 20 minutes, what you'll probably see is Falkirk, you know, the full-time training will really sort of kick in. And I don't think that happened today. And I don't no. think that happens very much these days. Yeah, I, I think we have a really fit squad. And it's like Darren and Tony have talked yeah. about that previously. It's like they've put in a hell of a shift pre-season to get ready for this season. And I think we've got probably one of the fittest squads in the actual division. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just going to ask a very quick question just on the back of that because it's it's people interest. Do you think that the gap between the League One and the Championship is as big now as it was, say, 10 years ago in terms of quality? Because if you think about our results against the top tier, uh, the uh, um, Championship teams over the last couple of years, do you think that now would be the time for us to, to, to open up the leagues, make them a little bit bigger, and actually say, do you want to know what? These teams aren't that much better than ours and have a go. I think there's a big difference between the top teams in the championship and League One. But maybe mid-table to bottom in League One, it's pretty much eeksy-peeksy. Looking at the table, I hadn't really had a look at the championship table until today. I was looking at it at half-time. And you're seeing the Aloha and our growth are struggling this year after maybe punching above their, their weight for quite a number of seasons now. You could look at that and go, oh, yeah, it's starting to tell during the, the pandemic and everything that the part-time teams are struggling a bit. But they've shown enough in the last couple of seasons to show that a decent part-time team can compete. I, I think the teams at the top is different, maybe having a one-off cup tie and doing well against Inverness, doing well against Hearts. But to keep that up on a consistent basis, week in, week out, is tough. But mid-table to definitely bottom third in League One, I don't see that there's a big gap at all. But yeah, you only have to look at how well Rovers are doing this season. They've not added much to their squad. And when we played them last season, there wasn't much in it. You know, they, they, they got promoted almost by default. Not totally by default, but... I mean, they, they finished because of a point or whatever it was. And, they, you know, they're doing really, really well this season. And that's what keeps chewing over in my head is, is there that gulf that we've always sort of considered that there was till now? And I, I don't think there is. I think the same even goes for, if you look at non-league compared to where we are, I think 10 years ago, we'd, we'd turn up and play non-league teams and, you, you know, you expect to kind of steamroller them, and you usually did, apart for the odd scare. Whereas I think what we've seen recently, you know, we've been beaten at home by Barora, at home to BSC, and we're now playing an East of Scotland League team and going, oh, like, you know, we know, this is a big test for us. We need to, um, you know, be careful about this. And I, I think the same, the same between sort of top-end part-time and bottom end full-time is the same for non-league and, and League One now. Mm-hmm. That all these guys are fit. When we played Brora, they were 1-0 up at half-time. And I remember thinking, I'm not worried because you know these guys are going to be blown out their arses halfway through half-time, uh, second half. And they never did. You know, these are f- the guys that play for Brora, BSC, Kelty, you know, they're fit now. You know, there's no there's no real difference in fitness between them. And, you know, the SPFL, I think the gaps have closed all over the place. And I think that is a pretty good argument for saying maybe we should have bigger leagues. You see in England as well, like National League and League Two, there's hardly any difference really between them. You see it in the FA Cup games. 
we're starting to see it now in the Scottish Cup games. I think it's great for Scottish football because I've always had an interest in, in non-league football in Scotland and England. And to see all these teams now being really competitive, I, th- I think it bodes well. It does open the question on bigger leagues just in general. Like even in the professional game, I, I love the pyramid system. We should have had it a long time ago. Just makes you wonder where Scottish football could be if we had had this years ago. Obviously, you're going to have the teams, Celtic Rangers are always going to run away with it. You're going to have other teams in the Premier that's going to be like a different class from a lot of others. But you see teams over the years getting relegated, Hibs, Hearts, Dundee United, Inverness, Cali even, who were solid for so long. Looking at this year, Motherwell's in trouble. Gaps are closing all over the place. I just think it's fantastic. I, th- I mean, for me, uh, I think Gordon's right. I think the, it is that um, the gulf from non-league as well is gone. Uh, I, the pyramid system's great because although it's horrible to see your clubs like Berwick and East Stirling go and probably break in this year, I guess it's weeding out the guff and it's getting your your ambitious teams coming in and they're coming into the third division strong and, you know, as we've seen before, great chance to actually win that league and then everything tightens, everything tightens. Um, going back to our league this year, I mean, I think regards to Falkirk and Thistle, it, Thistle especially is very hard when you come down from the championship. It's, it's every year you see it, that, that team very rarely goes straight back up at the first time asking. I think it was Livingston was the last time I remember a full-time team absolutely steamrolled the league, and that was years ago. Um, Falkirk, if I was a Falkirk fan, for me, the reason they're top of the league is because they've got generally the best players or the best squad, but it's nothing to do with tactical or anything like that. I think, I know their fans aren't too happy with the M&Ms or whatever they're called, but they're not, no great shakes. And yeah, there's not a big gap between that. I think if East Fife went up with this team, we would probably, you know, really struggle, probably finish potentially bottom or second bottom, but not without a fight. Whereas years ago, you'd have gone, you know, you, you would get absolutely massacred up there. But um, no, I th- I, it's good. We'll never get the big leagues. We've always wanted big leagues. But as long as Rangers and Celtic are there, there's no way TV companies won't put money in Scottish football unless they're getting four old firm derbies. They just won't yeah. do it. So you'll never get a big top league. It'll never get voted for, sadly. Because that would, I mean, we talked about, you know, the reconstruction would have been, I mean, 14 team, 20 team league would have been amazing, but it, it, for me, it'll never happen if the Rangers and Celtic there, sadly. But no, I, yeah. think it's, I think it's great for I Like today, obviously, second old firm derby of the season, it wasn't shown on TV here. So at half time of our game today, I was just, I went into one of the highlight sites to, to try and see what had happened. Their highlights package from a whole old firm game was less than two minutes. And the first highlight they showed was the sending off midway through the second half. So I don't know if you guys watched it, but I'm taking it it was a pish game. I caught the second half. Um, I was out with the beach with a wee one. Um, so I didn't, didn't catch the first half. But second half, by all accounts, Rangers looked a better team. But from what I've read, Celtic were the better team in the first half. The sending off, 
you know, I was speaking to my dad about it when um, I phoned him after the game and he was saying that he felt it was a sending off. I felt it was a little bit harsh. I think that it was definitely a, definitely a yellow, but I'm not convinced that it was a, a total red. But I don't think it was a last man thing, but it's a stupid, to wrap your, your hands around anyone is, is like ridiculous. But the point I was more meaning was, if that's the best of Scottish football and it was a pish game by the looks of this highlights package that I saw, which I know is not a lot to go on, it's like, why don't we have bigger leagues that, to at least make things more interesting? Because eh, I, I know last year, eh, we talked about this, Lee, in the English Premiership, I got bored because Liverpool were running away with it and it's like, it was kind of pointless. It's a lot more interesting this season, even though I've not been watching too much of it. Scottish Premier, I have hardly seen any of it this year because I've been like, ah, I don't really care. Yeah. Shit. Uh, unless you're an, unless you support Rangers or Celtic, why would you give a shit which one of them wins the league? Mm. You know, it's, it's, as long as I've I have never, as long as I've been interested in football, I've never seen a non-old firm team win the league, and only in a handful of seasons has anyone even competed for it. I aside from it being quite funny that Celtic are going to fuck ten in a row. I couldn't care less whether it's Rangers or Celtic. Same club to me. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just going to say that. I mean, I, I didn't watch it. I, I, to be honest, the only reason I would really watch an old firm game is the atmosphere. Um, and obviously, when no fans, you don't get. I couldn't care less what happened with that game today. Honestly, couldn't care. I, it doesn't interest me. Um, but I mean, slightly going against the point is that the only reason that the TV companies want those games is because other people outside of Scotland care about Rangers and Celtic games, whereas everyone in it, apart from them, don't, basically. Yeah, because they, they can sell it as pay-per-view in countries like here, like the Celtic and Rangers supporters clubs. They, It's a bit different, obviously, now during the pandemic, but they had, for a number of years, the rights to the old firm games, so they could only sell it the supporters clubs themselves would sell it and then pack out pubs and rake in money by doing that because the demand is there. People outside of Scotland want to see it because they want to see the bad side of it. They want to see the tackles flying in. They want to see fights. They don't give a toss about what's happening really action-wise. They just want all the drama that goes with it. Anyway, I've sidetracked us there. Let's get back to the more important game because I'm pretty sure we know that all the headlines in the next week is going to be probably about Neil Lennon and Rangers now having won it and stuff. So let's talk about something that won't make in the papers, which is our great second half performance. So Doug, Falkirk, tie it up, two minutes in at the second half, Callum Morrison, a great save by Brett Long, another great save by Brett Long to initially keep it out, but then Morrison tucks in the rebound. Were you worried at that point, or did you think, yeah, it's fine, we'll just dust ourselves down and just get back into it? And no, I'm an East Fife fan. I was definitely worried. Um, uh, I our reaction was great. I mean, within within a couple of minutes, we were back on the front foot. I felt the game, yeah. which was testament to us and maybe a slight thing on Falkirk, but it was actually one of those slow motion goals where I don't know what happened. It was. It seemed to be whether it was a big gap between. I think it was maybe Watson and Murdoch, and it was quite a straightforward goal from that point of view a great save from Brett Long but I, I'm guessing it was an out of shot uh, straight race between Slattery and Morrison mm. to get the follow up and um, 
yeah, no, you know, no offense. There's not many players in the league would uh, would keep up with Morrison. So. No, no, that that was a bit of a mismatch today a, a couple of times. Like, not having a go at Pat, because as you say, it's hard to keep up with, with him. Anyone would have struggled. But there was a few... Like, I don't know why Falkirk didn't exploit that more, to be honest, because it's like... Not, Morrison's not a very good player. I, I, I honestly think that. I didn't think he was very good when he was with us. I talked about a few weeks ago about someone with blistering pace just looks really good. I don't think he. I don't think he's that good. I actually thought Slattery did pretty well against him. Uh, he will naturally have got beaten by pace against him a couple of times, but I don't think Morrison's very good. A, he wouldn't have got released by Hearts when in the Championship if he wasn't. I just, yeah, I didn't think he was very good for us. I don't think he's that good. That that is the, that's a good point about like speedy players. In in the like over in MLS, they have the draft of the college guys. And there was a spell that all these forwards that were getting produced through the college system were just fast, speedy guys, but they didn't actually have much decent ball control. So we've had a couple of guys over the years that were fast as fuck and would like go past like defenders, but then they couldn't do anything with it or they were one dimensional. And all you really had to do was stick a foot out, touch the ball, and then they, they weren't able to do anything. But I mean, Gordon at two at one one. Two minutes in at the second half. What what are your feelings like at that point? I think I was a bit, you know, it's, it's gutting to lose that goal, what, a minute into the second half or something like that. And I think I was pessimistic at that point, but that's probably just because I'm a football fan and, you know, there's always that bit of pessimism in me. And I did think... I said before, you're you're kind of waiting on Falkirk to look like the better team, and it never really came. Um, but I think so. I felt like that immediately after they scored. But I think you know, five minutes in the in the five minutes after it, we played really well and we were attacking them. We were getting on the ball, and I think that that sort of changed my attitude towards it. I think five ten minutes after the goal, I was like, no, I think. I think we're still in it. I think we can go and win it. There's no inevitability about them going on to win. Um, you know, I think if um, you know if you watch that game and somebody didn't know Falkirk are top of the league, they're full time. Um, I don't think they would have felt that Falkirk were definitely going to go on to win after that first goal. No. I think they would have just thought, actually, East Fife have been a better team, and if anyone's going to go on to win, they'll do it. But as an East Fife fan, you're you know, you have that sort of pessimistic thing about you. Um, but I think I that's know. All. It's just ingrained in you now. It's just from years and years of this. And maybe we need a couple of good seasons to kind of get that out of us. But it was a great reaction, Lee. And it's what you want to see from the team. Because we've seen teams in the past, you give a goal up and your head goes down. And it's more when you go behind. I think if Falkirk had sneaked a second and gone 2-1 up, that would have been an interesting test to see where our heads were at. But they didn't doubt themselves at all, and I think that was that was fantastic to see. And they, they started to take the game to Falkirk. And again, without repeating myself too much, it only bodes well for what this team can now do. Yeah, it's a testament of character, isn't it? Yeah, so that, that's a great way of wording it. It's, you know, it'd be very, very easy to just be like, oh, well, hands in the air, we're going to get pumped now because Falkirk are the big team 
But you know, I, I think I thought that we, we did excellent. We, we just sort of went right, okay, fair enough. But you've sucker punched us, but we're just going to go right back at you. And then after that, it just seemed to be waving wave, and wave a, a attack for us. Yeah. You know, everything that we did excellent today, Kevin Smith was a catalyst off. You know, whether it was he was bringing bringing balls in from the left hand side, he just seemed to be all over the park. You know, there was sometimes that um, I was watching. I was like, I can't believe how deep Kev is. You know, but he was coming that deep to retrieve the ball and then setting us off. Um, on another attack so no I, th- I think that yeah it was a real test of character that that first Falkirk goal well that the only Falkirk goal um, and it was a test of character that we passed Let's get the winning goal now He scores when he wants He scores when he wants Jackie Hamilton He scores when he wants He had a pretty quiet game before that to be honest I was thinking oh, I'll mention in the show he was pretty invisible today who cares if he pops up and, and just heads home a winner? Yeah, I mean, that's the sign of a good striker, isn't it? Yeah. It's no, like, get get your chance, take your chance. And yeah. I mean, that's that's what we want, Doug. That's what we've needed. We've had it from a couple of guys in, in recent seasons, but I, I was delighted for him. And he's he seems to really enjoy playing with us. Easy when you're scoring goals, I know, but he he seems to really be enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, he's getting to play every week, I would think it's the main thing. So it's, uh, you know, compared to what he's had in his young career so far, it's probably a a huge sort of thing for him. Um, He was just really isolated. I mean, we were mainly playing 4-5-1, I thought. Um, So he he did seem a little bit isolated, but he kept going. I think that's what's key. You know, very easy for him to kind of huff a little bit. Not huff, but you know what I mean? Just sort of feel like it's not your day, but... You know, he kept going and it was a great header from a great cross from Kev Smith. Um, you know, he's got, he has got good players, so his options for partners up front will be really good for him because he's got Ryan Wallace who, when he's on, is just so tough to play against and just a, probably a very good player to link up with. And the experience that Smith's got, and he's a good player. I think when Hamlin goes on the pitch with either of those two, he'll know he's going to get chances. So I guess it is that staying patient and and wait for your chance. Yeah, and Gordon, the goal was coming, I think. We'd, we'd had a few chances before that. We had chances after it to, to kill the game off as well. But it, it was a, like when the ball came in, as soon as he rose for that, I thought he's going to put this away. Yeah, it was a, it was a brilliant... I was sure it was... I was Well, I thought it was Kevin Smith that put the ball in. I'm not 100% sure. But I it came it from a was... corner... It looked like Kevin Smith because it was just that typical thing of the the the, the corner came in from our our left. It kind of went over, and then I think Smith had it on the right, you know, and he looked like he was going to sort of fire it low. And I think ev you know that's what everyone was expecting, and then he just floated it right to the back post, and it was just so inviting. And it's just as soon as that ball goes in, you just you know what type of ball it is. And you're like, oh God, if someone there, if someone's there and attacks that, that is that's going right in. And it was that kind of thing. It was just, you know, if you're a striker like Hamilton, that's what you want. It's just something there to be attacked. Um, and so ah, you know, you have you have that feeling as soon as that ball goes in, this could be a goal. It was it was really nice. It was beautiful. Um, as much, you know, the first goal, Doug was saying, was all about the delivery from Agnew. I think the second goal was all about the delivery from Smith. It was it was beautiful to just float that into the back post, 
Um, and someone like Hamilton, you know, you know he's going to take that. Yeah. That opportunity. I, that, that's the thing, Lee. Like what Doug mentioned there, like Jack's going to learn so much in his time here just from playing. But to have guys like Kevin Smith alongside of him, Danny Swanson as well, who might not be playing, but he's going to be around him in training and sharing that knowledge and and stuff. And when you look at that performance today, and that was a team that didn't have Wallace in it, didn't have Swanson in it. I genuinely don't know that Kevin Smith would have started today if Wallace had been good to go. And then you've got your man of the match performance out of him. Gives a little bit of a headache now for Darren Young as to what, what do you do with this attack going forward? Because I don't think you can change that team today now, even if Wallace is good to, to go next week. It's like, if you brought him in, who would you drop out of that? I think Danny Denham. Um, but that's, oh, I think well, that's yeah. probably <laughs> a different time. But uh, I think that we need to maybe try and find a way to incorporate Kev. Um, look, I, I think Kev is excellent today and I'm a huge fan of his, but I think Ryan Wallace gives us a different dimension. Um, with his work rate, you know, there's there's no secrets that I'm a total fanboy. So I think that, you know, if we could find a way to to maybe have Kev on um, one side and, and Ryan on the other with Jack through the middle, that might be something that we could look into. That'd be wonderful. We're like with Danny Swanson and he's fit behind him. It's like, yeah. what a front four that would be. Well, the, the possibilities with the, with the team that we've got when fully fit are great, but I, I'm going to ask you something else. I, I'm very concerned about the lack of depth now that we've we've sort of loaned a lot of boys out. Mm. Um, there's there's pretty strong rumours coming that Tom Collins is away. Um, he'll go away next week to Steny by the looks of things. Just on uh, loan though, is that right? I believe just on loan because he's on a two-year deal. Yeah. So this is just going from Pie and Bovril chatter, but it looks like he's he's pretty much confirmed that he's, he's off to, to Steny. So I, need, I, I suppose we really need to, to make sure that we can bring in at least at least two people on this window, which isn't always easy considering what the time of year it is. I think, yeah, we've got a, a lot of decent players to bring off the bench, but I mean, I looked today and, you know, I, I don't think that, that Danny Denham had a, a great game and I was screaming for, for Dunsey to come on. Um, yeah. I, I thought that that was the right sub probably about 65 to 70 minutes in just to give us that a bit of pace. Um, but, Never happened, and again, it shows once more why Dan Young gets paid a manager's wage, and I don't. But yeah, I would like to see us make a make a few additions in this window, definitely. Yeah, depth is a concern, which at the start of the season we didn't think it was going to be, and it's good to loan these guys out because they're not going to develop unless they get some playing time, and loaning the guys out is the way to do that. Collins needs to play to see if he can make it at this level. If he goes to Steny and does it, we've got another year with him here. So, I mean, that that's all going to be good. I mean, there's a couple of other like fun things today, just from guys that you may or may not think of as regular starters. Like, what, we were joking about this in the WhatsApp chat. When Watt was like wrestling two Falkirk players on the ground for the ball, that's the kind of fight you want to kind of see. It's just like, it's it's great stuff. And all round, some just great performances. I thought Stuart Murdoch was good at, at the back and had a couple of nice deliveries when he tore up the wing. So I guess we'll, we'll get to the 3-2-1 now. So we'll kick things off with Doug. Who's your 3-2-1? It's a tough one today in some ways. There's maybe a couple at the top that's obvious, but then trying to get a, the one-pointer maybe is the tough one this week. Uh, yeah, 
100%, yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith, um, if he's not everyone's three, I've got, I'm going to have to have words later. It's it's a stick on. He was class, absolute class. Uh, just very, very quickly, I think I think Kevin Smith's the sort of guy that wouldn't mind being dropped for Wallace. So I think he's at that stage of his career as a club captain. He, I think he'll know, and I think he'll be quite happy playing that kind of role that he's got just now because he's almost coming in, getting around the match and going out again. Because yeah, but I mean, play every week. if you don't have him playing though, like he might be happy for Wallace to play, but you're losing a guy that can do what he did today. And it's yeah. nice to have that coming off the bench, but the problem is often they don't produce that when they come off the bench. Absolutely. We all kind of chatted about that on the WhatsApp about Danny Denham. I don't think he's a great player. The only thing I would say, he's kind of shored up slightly a wee bit at left side that Smith maybe doesn't yeah. do. Well, anyway, I'm digressing. Right, so three points to Kevin Smith, who was just class, and he often is. Uh, two points is uh, Chris Higgins, um, who has just had a baby today or yesterday? Yeah, so I think New Year's Day. Um, I like how he just went, right, Hen, just pop this Wayne out and I'm just a to play football <laughs> with the boys. And, uh, Quite right. absolutely strolled it. He is, he really is class. Like, I, I'm, again, like Lisa, I am a massive fanboy of Chris Higgins. He is, I mean, to, to be fair, just, it's harder to class. defend, harder to defend against Falkirk than it is to have a baby, in my opinion, but... Yeah, true, true. Um, I also thought he showed up and out who, in my opinion, is actually a wee bit niche. Anyway, I uh, thought today as well, he had, uh, he looked off today. He did not I, look good at I, all. I thought, I thought last season he wasn't very good, to be honest with you. I wasn't that bothered he left. Anyway, at uh, one point, I absolutely didn't have a clue. So, because I didn't see Danny Swanson's gloves, I'm going to give it to Jack Hamilton because. Yeah, he just put a shift in. It wasn't going his way, but he did what he, you know, he's paid to do and score the goal, which was, and I loved his bit at the end where he kept at the corner flag. It was just yes. good. I enjoyed it. So, three Smith, two Higgins and one Hamill. Yeah, that was good at the end. Like, our game management in general was really good because I like a football cliche. And of course, the old cliche is the best form of defence is to attack. That's what we did in stoppage time. We took the ball into their half. We didn't, like, waste it. There was a nice one where, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Hamilton, tried a shot from the halfway line. There wasn't really a shot, but he just wanted to put the ball into the car park to get it, like, behind the goal. That That's good game management. So, Gordon, what about your 3-2-1? Yeah, I just want to add to that. I mean, there was just absolutely first-class shithousery from so many East Fife players in that injury time. It really was Perfect. beautiful. Um, but yeah, uh, similar similar to Doug. I think my, my three and two um, are the same. Three for Kevin Smith. He just he just you know when he plays he plays for his five at this level, he just so often looks like the cleverest player on the pitch by about a mile. And it was just so obvious today. He was brilliant. He scored the first. He set up the second. Uh, undisputed three points. Two for Higgins, again, he's just class. Um, I remember when he came in on loan for us two years ago now. I think I and every East Fife fans are like, who the hell is this guy? Shit. Taking Meg out of the team for this guy. And then he turns up after the next preseason and he's just he's just like Franz Beckenbauer. He's just class all the time. Never a bad game. Same today. 
one point really could have been so many players, but I wanted to give it to Brett Long. Thought he he just played really well today. He made two really really first class saves. The first one he was very unlucky because he made a great one on one save from Connor Salmon, and he was just unlucky that Morrison got to it, and it kind of you know it didn't really matter in the end. And yeah, that later save was brilliant as well. Um, Aye, there was a there was a few players that could have got the one, but wanted to get to Brett Long. What about yourself, Lee? I'm going to pretty much echo these guys, but change it around slightly. I think Kev Smith's got to get three points. Um, some of the touches today, even when he had the ball in the corner in the last minute, he essentially break dancing in the corner with the ball and still kept it. You know, just some of his touches, his, his ability on the ball is is. is by far one of the best I've seen at this level. So definitely three points to Kevin. He's everything that you look for in a captain. He just seems to take such pride in his performance. And yeah, you could definitely tell he loves the club as well. So definitely a, a three points for, for Kev. Two points for me is going to go to, to Brett. And um, I think that the two points have got to go to Brett because without his point blank save, it would have been 2-1. Um, and I think that the, the game would have been a lot different had it been that that goal was as good as any other goal um, that save would have been as good as, as any goal and I've, I've said that already um, and he saved from Salmon I think that the only thing that I'd like to say maybe I'd be to try and touch that round the, the, the post if I'm being hypercritical but I, I still think that he deserves two points today he commanded his box really really well a lot of times you know even in the, in the sort of latter stages of the match he wasn't sure whether the ball was going to drop a lot of keepers might have tried to catch that he tipped it over the bar I think his decision making across the park today was excellent so um, definitely two points for Brett and a point again for for the man that's been likened to Franz Beckenbauer. It's got to be to got to be Chris Higgins. And you know, like when like what you said, Gordon, when he came in, he was a bit all over the place. And then when we signed him permanently, I was like, mm, right, okay. And then uh, just from when we signed him permanently, it was like he just relaxed. And you know, he's he's been this. I've I've said this a lot in the podcast, and, and listeners will be sick of it. But he's just the centre half we've been crying out for since Stephen Tweed left. You know, wins in, you know, a lot of zero battles. Having been to a few of the games, not in a George Galloway style fashion, but having been to a few games, you know, he commands his centre half and his left back, his right back, you know, he's vocal all the time um, and just a leader all round. So, yeah, point to Higgy. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm actually 100% in agreement with Lee there. I, I thought Long deserved to too, just for those saves. It's basically where the, the game changer, that point blank one in particular. Uh, and then Higgy for the one. I, I could easily agree with Doug though and switch them over, but I'm just, uh, Brett was the guy that when we started the show that I thought I was going to give the two points to. All round, though, it was a pretty solid team performance. It was very little really to to criticize i mean anything that you feel needed improvement on today doug uh yeah the commentator that um, was loud I, at times i had to turn well, my tv I, up or down quite a bit i'm going I'm to be very very honest here i think he's very good i think his commentary is actually very good in oh, general yeah. i have never heard a man get so excited when a team breaks without really a great chance. I mean, it's like he starts at a crescendo and it's like, I can't go any higher, so I'm going to maintain this level for a minute, but nothing's happening. But I'm getting very excited and something's going to happen. Just relax. His microphone control kills me. 
Um, <laughs> which was annoying because you're right, you don't know what uh, uh, number to set your volume control at. Yeah. But if you do it too low, you can't hear Juker, who was quite funny. I don't know if you heard his, he twice, like a little giggling child, laughed at his own jokes. Yeah. And he did the, uh, the, the Liam Watt one of, uh, what's he doing there? And then he laughed and nobody else picked up on it. It was funny. And then he I never said, heard that. Oh, I, I reckon Brett will go long here with his kick. And it was just, it, yeah, it, you know, look, he's gone. He, he'll do anything. But yeah, if the commentator who is very good could just get his volume yeah. control, because on Pie and Bobble, he was getting ripped apart by the Falkirk fans as well. Bless him. No, I, good, I agree. Like he's, he's great. I love his enthusiasm. We're not, like criticizing him for that but just the levels it's even worse for me when it's like 7 a.m and my wife's still in bed and all of a sudden there's just like booming noise coming out the tv but yeah i could also maybe have done without that really awkward co-manager stroke player manager chat towards the end of the first half that i was like please just move on from this i don't know where this is going and my other my other little thing that i was did anyone else find it a little annoying with those people sitting on the wall watching a game? I, yeah, I don't, that, I don't think that should happen. It looks, it looks pretty bad. Well, I, I criticised it through in Falkirk when they were doing it at yeah. Falkirk. So but it's like so more, it was so much more obvious. Yeah, to actually sit like on the wall good. and have your legs swung over it, it's pretty bad. I don't know if they maybe don't have security. I'm thinking because there's not any fans there, so they maybe don't have folk to go round, or because of COVID, they feel they can't really... Because they can't go round on the pitch because they'd be too close to people. So they'd have to go round the outside of the stadium. It, it wasn't a good look. And yeah, everyone wants to get to the games and see it. And there's ways to do it without actually sitting on the wall if you're going to do that. Super that... <laughs> yeah, get the subs... <laughs> Right, boys, your warm up, pelt them with volleys. <laughs> Some of the Falkirk finishing, if they'd been behind that goal in the wall, they'd have been knocked off. That'd have been a, an interesting one. I mean, Gordon, oh. any negatives for you for today? No, not really. Um, I think I'll, I'll just go to the, the, the commentary again. Like Kenny Duker, um, he's brilliant. I'd have him on every week. And if, um, you know, if he's going to talk about playing up front and being strikers, you listen to that every day of the week. I'm not sure about defending. I think there was a time in the first half where um, he was he was sort of shouting at Stuart Murdoch. He was like, "Come out, come out, come out!" And uh, Stuart Murdoch just he was just waiting. He waited until the Falkirk player played it, and then he ran and intercepted the ball. And you're like, "All right, Ken, you know, you you are a striker. Just Murdoch knows what he's doing. You just let him. You just let him go on with it." No, that was it. Lee? Um, yeah, I think that in terms of negatives, the only thing I'd say is, and I, I put it on the, the group chat, is when I'm trying to watch the game on my TV, the, the quality isn't great. And I know that there's, the, the club have said that they're testing the stream in different bit rates and your internet speed should upscale it to 1080p. I was trying to watch it today and it was like it was 480p I tried manually changing it it didn't make a difference it was like as soon as I upscaled it it, it was just awful and it was almost unwatchable at times um, so hopefully if, it, if the club are listening they can maybe take that feedback on but on the flip side I do want to give the EFTV team some major kudos I'm loving the, the stats at half time yeah. I'm loving the 
um, sort of new look of the the show. I think that they're definitely making a lot of progress with that, even if it's just in between goals, the wee goal montage where Ryan Wallace is beach against uh, Cowan Beath flung in there as well. There's there's definitely improvements being made in that all, all the time. And look, I don't think we're going to get into a game this season, so hopefully if we're going to take some some critiques on board, maybe we can find a way that we could make the, the quality a little bit better for a larger screen. I missed the replays. Today. I think there was a Falkirk. Sorry, there was a Falkirk fan in Pine Bobber who said it he he thought it was the best quality of service outside Falkirk that he'd seen this season. Oh, so I don't know whether hands I mean, down. Mine, mine was pretty good, but he he was they were quite uh, complimentary about it. So maybe you should, maybe you should get a better telly Lee. Yeah, I I actually didn't have that any issues today. It was pretty pretty good quality on my TV today. I, I'm going in through. Are you are you casting it? Because I'm going in through Firefox and my smart app on the TV and no, signing I've, in via that. I've got my PC up here in my back cave, um, and I've got an actual TV connected to my PC via HDMI. So I just let like, one right. browser and watch it. Um, so I'm interested to, to mess around with my settings because I've tried casting it a couple of times. Um, Your casting's the, not good. Yeah. I've I've had issues with casting, so now I've, I'm just signing in directly on Firefox on my TV, and then just watching it through the browser on the TV, and it, it's it's working pretty good. Oh. So just quickly look at what happened in the the rest of League One today, which wasn't a lot because there was only three games played. One of them was a I'm sure it was a super exciting nil nil draw between Forfar and Montrose. The other one, Cove Rangers, got a narrow 1-0 win against Peterhead. Thankfully, common sense saw those two teams play each other in a New Year's Day derby and not have anyone travel to one of those places or have either of those teams travelling. Rory McAllister got the only goal of the game in that one two minutes in. Cy Ferry got sent off by a straight red for for Peterhead in the 22nd minute. That should make his podcast a, a little bit interesting this week, I'm sure. But... Overall, at the end of that, like looking at the standings, I touched on it earlier, we are now just six points off second, realistically third, unless we bang a lot of goals in. But it's promising, but everything is so tight just now. You've still got Falkirk out ahead. They're sitting now on their 21 points from 11 games. Cove have closed the gap again to two. Montrose, though, still keeping in there, 18 points for, from their 11 games. We're currently sitting sixth, but we've got two games in hand and we'd be second or third if we win both of those. So it's going to be tight. And I mean, what is it, a 27-game season? So we're not even like halfway through the season yet. It already feels like it's it's been a bit of a long season. Maybe that's just because I'm getting up at 7am to watch these games. But I'm looking forward to, to what the rest of the season holds in store. I've got something that is going to make everybody's evening. Maybe not as much as it's made mine, but news just in for the second time in a row. Um, Ryan Wallace has penned a two-year extension today as well. So we get to keep Ryan Wallace till 2023. Happy New Year. Sadly, the terms of the contract was Lee does have to move away and stop showing his man love for him. So we are looking for a new podcast host. Lee will be going to... We've done a trade with Kelty. Uh, so he will now be doing the Kelty podcast. So my best wishes to Lee. I'll just remove him from the stream just now, now that the news has finally broken. 
I think that if that happened, I'd probably be lynched when the second of crossing the diameter of the village. Hey, I got to manage a bank in Cowden Beath a couple of years after all my stuff criticising the whole town in a newspaper on national TV, so anything's possible. Yeah, you got definite, so I've not had anything yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just sat through the back of my I'll office. My, I'll get my pen and bit of paper for the definite, just now, Lee. Uh, <laughs> I think great news about Ryan Wallace, fantastic news. Yeah. Um, going back to the league... Um, I'll go as far as say if Falkirk keep their management team for the whole season, they won't win the league. Um, what, what's and... your thought on co-managers? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we could talk about Dennis Bergkamp, Berthold for Holland. That was a bit random. <laughs> I missed the start of the conversation and suddenly I was like, why are they talking about Holland and Bergkamp? Because <laughs> we were playing like Ajax, that was why. No, I, I don't know where it came from. but No, I think, I think we're sitting pretty... Um, a few weeks ago, we'd have snapped your hand off for where we're sitting now, really. Um, like we've said before, if we can just get the hoodie off our back away from home. I mean, I I think we can still win the league. I thought that at the start of the season, and I genuinely think we can win this league. Because nobody, everyone's much of a muchness. It would take a lot of stars to align, etc. But no, I, I do. I, I, we could also finish eighth. But I think... I no, think we four points win. off the relegation playoff right now. And yeah, we're also, we're also if you if you win the two games and you're two points behind Falkirk as it stands. Yeah. So it's yeah, I, I do I don't think anyone's that great. I think we're all much or much this. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, so Gordon, uh, Doug's had a great new year, obviously, still on the sesh. So I mean just quick thoughts no, on the table. No, I, I totally agree. Like nobody you know, nobody's a standout. I think at times Falkirk have looked good. But that's them um, not one and three. Cove looked really good from us from uh, at the start, but they were basically being shit over the past four or five games. They won today. Um, Airdrie have been inconsistent. Partick have been inconsistent. Um, Montrose, they've been doing well recently, but they drew it four for today. You know, I don't think there's anybody that's going to run away with it. And I think, you know, as long as we, if we keep up this home form and we can start to pick up points away from home absolutely no reason that we can't at least put ourselves into that top group. Definitely. I mean, I'll just read a couple of quick tweets that we had here. Charles Simpson said, massive three points today. Don't think a single player had a bad game. 3-2-1 will be hard this week. And he had his first game watched in his new top, which I, I think a lot of folk got the East Fife tops for their Christmas and stuff. Methyl Major said, strong performance all round. On a different day, we'd have been three up at half time. Showed strength of character in the second half. Remaining resolute after the equaliser, but showed maturity in weathering the storm in the last 10 to 15 minutes. Spot on analysis there. Just, just to round off things for this week. Next week, a break from the league action. Scottish Cup, as we talked about. We're playing Trinent who are currently top of East of Scotland League, unbeaten on the season, a goal difference of plus 21 as well, so they know how to find the back of the net. You'd normally think, oh, it's an East of Scotland team, it's an easy game, we've talked about it, that there's no real easy games anymore. I genuinely have a little bit of concern about it next week, Lee. Yeah, um, they definitely give me a scare, but then any lower league team 
give me a scare because I know how much we play up when we play a team from a division above. So, you know, it's, it's a cup final and, and I know that it's a, such an old adage and a bit of a cliche, but, you know, every time that you get a, a team like that, it is their cup final. And I know that we're not a Barcelona or a Manchester United or any of these sort of teams, but it's a chance for them to go and make a name for themselves. Whereas we could go into it with a really poor attitude. So I, I, I don't have a great feeling for next week, to be honest. I would actually be more confident going into a game against a Partick or a Falkirk than I would against a Trenent. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see how it goes. Um, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to watching it, but equally I'm, I'm not sure how it will go. I think if we score first, we'll be fine. Am I right in saying as well there's no replays? It's like a one-off, so it's like extra time and penalties on the day, yeah. So like, let's get your prediction then, Lee. Do you want my optimistic one or optimistic <laughs> one? <laughs> oh, um, no. I, I, I generally am Mr. Optimistic. I'm going to say 3-1. Hmm. Doug, how are you feeling about next week? Uh, excellent. Uh, it's, if we hadn't lost to Brora and BSE or whatever they were called, <laughs> um, that was mad cow disease. Anyway, um, I think if we hadn't lost those games, I would be a little more nervous. But I think that's... That's the team talk right there. I think it's attitude is what it's all about. If we come out with good attitude, score early, we'll win comfortably. I'm going to go 4-0. Ooh. Uh, definitely a, a good new year from Doug here. Uh, Gordon, at, sorry, if you look at Dundonald, Bluebell gets Queen's Park. I don't know if you watched it. I mean, Dundonald, they look like absolute amateurs. Queen's Park's finishing, and they had Simon Murray, who's just awful. So I think, I mean, that all, that could have been five or six nil if they had any chance of finishing. So I look I, I, I yeah, I think Trent will be pretty good, but if we if we show our class early doors we'll, we'll have way too much for Gordon, what's your thoughts for next week? So a couple of things about Trenent. Um I was looking into this. I think this is the first time they've they'll ever have played a league team. So ah. in terms of this being a big game for them and this is, uh, we're probably the biggest team they've ever played in a competitive game, which sounds mental. Like, you know, we're no, you know, we're no this massive team, but this is a massive game for them. And I watched the, the highlights of their first round win against East Stirlingshire. East Stirlingshire are they're not mugs. Trenent were 4-0 up at half time. They murdered them. Absolutely murdered them. But in saying that, we're at home. That makes a difference. Um, if we were going to Trinent, I might be a bit more worried about it. We're at home, and I think what we've learned from the last few years is if if we play like we can, and if we play like we did today, we're going to win. If we don't, they're not mugs, and they'll take advantage. That's what it is. If we're not at the races, we're in danger. If we are professional and we play like we did today, we're going to beat these guys because we're better than them. That's it. That's yeah. the attitude. I, I think I definitely would be more worried if it was out there ground. I had a little look at their their ground during the week just to kind of see. It's a cracking little non-league ground, but it's not the kind of ground you want to play on. That pitch would be horrible, I think, with the, the weather we've been having as well if you're playing there. Me off. Yeah, probably would be actually. A great advantage, of course, of us having the plastic pitch was our game was on today, the only five team that played. And actually, just to quickly touch on that, in a normal year, if like Dunfermline Wraith had been off today, 
we would have got some Pars or Rovers fans come along to Bayview. We'd have had a bumper attendance. So that was a costly, costly loss of income today because those fans that might have gone along because they just want a day out for New Year, they're probably not going to pay for a stream and sit at home and do it. So that was probably a lot of lost income for, for the club, sadly, today. But equally, it'll be interesting to see how many how many streams we got. Yeah, I'd be interested in that as well. Hopefully, but, it's a good number. But I think folk have about three thousand um, season ticket holders. So with the three thousand season ticket holders, granted some of them will be families, but say if we got a thousand streams out of them today at thirteen pound, you know, it's a, a decent wee windfall. I'll be interested to see um, how many we got. Yeah, hopefully it's not a big, big loss as to what it could have been if the, the game had been been played. Maybe it might even be more, depending on how many folk took the stream up. As for next week, I see Trenent taking the lead against us early, giving us a bit of a fright and a kick up the ass, but then we'll take over. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go for 4-2 because Trenent have been banging the goals in, but I think we, we can bang the goals in as well. But I, I feel comfortable a little less comfortable after looking at their stats this morning, but uh, yeah, I think we'll get through. If we don't go get through, it's a bad one for us. I just hope that Darren doesn't put out a weaker team and think, oh, this is a chance to get some of the, the fringe guys a little bit of experience. That's the worst possible thing we can do because I, I want us to have a run in the cup. I know runs and cups are kind of, teams don't seem to want this anymore, which annoys the hell out of me, but you want to run in the cup. I also want to draw shitty teams all the way along, gets to the semis or something. But yet, if you see cup draws and it's like, oh, we want Celtic and Rangers. No, I don't. I, I noticed actually because I'm sad, uh, just in general. Uh, sorry. Uh, that they've got one guy up front called Kane Patterson or something who scores literally all of their goals. He scored like 18 goals in 15 games or something. And apart from him, nobody. So, you know, against Higgins, the guy won't get a sniff. What a shame. What a shame yeah. Just go through him early he's on. Gonna and then so you're... He's going to be so excited. His biggest game is live. He's going to come up against Beckenbauer and just not even see the ball. What a shame. Poor guy. It's probably going to be with us next season. <laughs> ah, yeah, we love to sign a non-league striker, don't we? <laughs> um, but one of the um, players that I've seen that had left them in the close season was Ian Black. Um, oh. Ian Black was playing for um, Trinet over the last two years and they're managed by Callum Elliott, is it? that was at Hearts and the Rovers, so double good chance to get it right up him. Last thing on Trinent, check out their crest. It's horrible. It's like some kind of weird hippie day or night thing going on with a camp, a really camp-looking miner, and some other guy that I'm not sure about carrying some, yeah, that's it, some wheat sheaf things. It's... it's it's, it's Baron Samady from James Bond. <laughs> it's a really, really bizarre crest. I, I mean, I I love a good, unique crest. There was a team over here, a Canadian Premier League team, Forge FC. They played a team down, fuck, I can't even remember where it was. I want to say Costa Rica, but it might be some weird Central American country. And basically, their crest is a, a pig looking very happy, dressed in like human clothes, kicking a football. It was like the best, I'll, I'll tweet that out, it's like the best crest ever. And we, folk here were thinking, we want to buy that strip, because it just had a really happy pig on it. And they were called uh, CD Limoni or something, 
So they they get called the lemon pigs. That's what you want. This podcast is getting worse by the week, by the way. The absolute <laughs> nonsense chatter at the end. This is going to require some heavy editing. Well, tell us about your Loch Ness trip, Mike. Oh, yeah. Well, if you saw that today, that is an absolute beauty. Loch Ness FC from the North Caledonian League. We'll be talking about it at the start of the show, but it's got Nessie on it. And their, their crest has like got Nessie above it. It's absolutely fantastic. Next time I'm over, I want to take in some Loch Ness FC games. They play in a league beside Thurso and Orkney. That's a, that's like a dream league for me. Heaven. I think we'll wrap things up now. Anything, any final words, Doug? Or do you want to let folk know where they can find you online? Um, I don't want anyone to find me online. Uh, yeah. Some of the things I've done online are, you know, not, not for public viewing. And um, so, no, I don't want no. Leave me alone, everyone. Excellent. Doug does strike you as the kind of guy that you're going to see on the telly at some point in the future with the, the news reporter going, please fear they will never know the final number. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon, any final thoughts from you? Or you're, you're, you might not want to get found online. No, I mean, um, I'm, I'm ambivalent about whether people find me online or not. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I hide my online activities very well. So, good luck. Um, <laughs> just try yeah. it. Private browsing is your friend. Lee, obviously, we'll tell folk later where they can find you online, but any, any final thoughts for this section? Monday Five. Um, Great, great win. Um, really enjoyable fan zone this week. That's been two in the, the trot that we've been able to talk about a win, which is excellent. Um, Doug has shrouded us in glory. Gordon's compared uh, Higgins to Beckenbauer, and I don't think anything else needs to be said, really. And by the way, the only thing I will say is Anton Dowds, get it up, yeah. Nah, I'm like it <laughs> Wow, you changed your tune from when we spoke to him a few months ago. <laughs> anyway. Thank you guys for joining us. It's been a fantastic start to the new year. Happy New Year to everyone and more cowbells, everybody. That's all for this week's Five Fans. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. We'll always have a good laugh with with um, Gordon and, and Doug and it's, it's something that we know that you guys seem to enjoy we're going to move on this week to our mailbag and we've got a few things that I've put down on a list somewhere that I need to, to bring up and then forgot so please accept my apologies to, to Alan Rankin who came up with a great idea and Michael and I were just talking about this and it's definitely something that the, the club could look to do um, in the past I don't know if anybody's seen there's a, there's a company called Donotar um, and they're remaking quite a lot of the, the classic shirts. And I, I, got, I think that it's maybe that sort of idea that's maybe got Alan thinking when he's talking about the, the club perhaps reselling some of their old shirts. I don't know if anybody else, like, for example, I always check eBay to, to see if there's any of our older kits that I, like, I would love to get the purple one from if, um, probably in the, the sort of early 90s. I think it was a great kit or maybe some of the old sort of RS nickel shirts which were which were classic as well. If I could manage to get one in my size, I would buy it in a heartbeat. And it made me think that is there a market for us to speak to, you know, football 
uh, football nation to, to remake some of our kits. But what Alan was saying is perhaps that if he could maybe buy, if the club could maybe buy some of the old shirts on eBay for a tenner and then sell them for 20, then it would maybe give the club a bit of profit. But I suppose it would be dependent on the demand. What's mm. your thoughts on that, Michael? Well, I mean, you don't want to be left with stock. So I, I think they would sell. The problem, I think, though, is actually getting hold of them because a lot of the, the kits go for, I mean, I've been looking on eBay as well, but a lot of them are like 39.99 or some of them are like 25 bucks or whatever, sorry, pounds, getting all Canadian on you there. Um, so I, I don't know that there's a big profit there for East Fife, but I mean, it would be nice if they maybe thought, okay, this is a special kit. We can maybe try and get this produced again in a, a small run and, and see if it could sell. So it could be like iconic ones, like the one that uh, Duker wore to get his promotion in yeah. 2001, 2002. I know years ago, there was the company Toffs, and they're still on the go, and they produced two East Five kits, one from the 70s and I think one from the 50s. I've got them both, and they did sell those in, in the club shop. But I, I love an old retro kit, and I'm lucky that I've bought a lot of them over the years. There's some that I didn't buy now that I wish I had because I've got gaps in my collection. And our good friend Forrest Pfeiffer had been tweeting out all his kit collections that he'd had over the years and just seeing the ones again and the ones that I didn't get. And I was like, oh, I wish I'd got hold of that. And there, there was a, a kit the Whitecaps brought out here, I think in 2012. It was a third kit. And it was a brown kit with like some aqua blue trim. And you think that sounds horrible, but I actually really liked it. And most folk didn't, so it didn't really sell well. But I I wish I'd bought one. And now I'm trying to get hold of one. Somebody thinks they've got one in their storage locker that they're going to try and see if they can dig out for me. But yeah, there's a couple of old ones I would like. But it would be nice even if they just produced the ones where we won championships or something with again, or just special moments or... This was one that Davy Clark wore. This was one that Steve Archibald wore. That that kind of stuff. I think there would be a demand there. Would it be enough for how many they'd have to do orders for? I don't know. It should be something that, if, if you have a look, I think there's been a lot of people that aren't East Five fans trying to buy our kit this year that they, mm. don't, that they don't seem to be managing to do. And, you know, if it's a supply and demand thing, like they could just announce, we're thinking about doing this. And if they get the enough pre-orders for it, the, enough to make a profit, if they could speak to the guy, they're not the retro shirts, to maybe pick up a couple of these five kits and sell them, um, then it's definitely something that, that we could look at. Well, I mean, I, I was talking about um, Loch Ness FC there. So they've kind of, they've tied in with Zero Negativity Sport, um, who have done all their kind of custom strips and stuff. So, I mean, you've got to think if a small club like that can like they, they did their first run of strips and the demand was insane so they've had to then produce a second run which is what, what i got mine in and it's all obviously because it's got nessie on it and stuff like that but that's another company that might be worth looking at working with and they can do bespoke kits or whatever there's a an american team that's in one of the lower leagues here called um uh forever madison i want to say it is and they they basically just bring out a couple of kits over the year and it's all like they had a, a donut kit and they had like a pink kit for breast awareness. And so they bring out a range of kits and they sell 
like they're collector's items and folk around the world buy these kits. So maybe it's something we could look at doing some bespoke kits. Yeah, I love random kits. Like across the years, like obviously for, for any of our younger or maybe even older listeners, um, I play like FIFA Ultimate Team and you can buy, and you can have your own kit and I always try to find like an obscure pink one or purple one or whatever, just something that's a little bit random. So there's definitely um, there's definitely a market for that for sure. Um, I'm going to go into another one of Alan's um, emails that he sent me. Now, I don't have the tech, technical wizardry that I would need to actually play the songs to you without playing them through my phone. Um, and I don't think that the quality of that would be um, great listening. So I'm going to tell you the name of the song. And basically what Alan said is that it was that his daughter made up a, a CD of all the songs that were sort of East Fife related. So, for example, you had um, Telstar, Black and Gold by Sam Sparrow, and the boys are back in town, Thin Lizzy. But then he's got another list of songs that they had on the CD that had like an East Fife reference to them. And I'm going to tell you the title, and then obviously I want you to tell me what the the East Fife sort of relation to it is. I think you probably manage this pretty easily, um, considering you probably helped write a lot of them back in the day, but we'll go for it anyway. So the first one should be nice and easy for you. The Adams Family theme tune. Oh, yes. Well, that, of course, would be the Cowden Family. Correct. You are my sunshine. You are my duker. Well, that was not the answer they gave me, but I'll give you anyway. The other one was You Are a Ouija from back in the day. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that was the original one. Please don't take my hubcaps away. Yeah, that was it. Um rhubarb and custard theme for corner kicks yeah correct hey i think we found my specialist subject for mastermind absolutely always look on the bright side of life you all live on the shite side of fife that's one of my all time that's an underrated east fife song that is tremendous yeah definitely um the black adder theme tune yes Black bastards, they come from Cowden Beath. Not meant in any racist way whatsoever. That was the song that I didn't put up in Songbook when I relaunched the AFTN website just because I could not be arsed with folk going, why have you got a racist song up? So I thought it's not even worth getting into it. Well, the the one that I remember and the one that Alan's put in was actually the tribute to Ryan Blackadder that played for us at the time. Oh. So I'll let you decide whether to edit that one out or not. No, I'll keep that in. Because we sang it for years and it was meant in the proper black being dirty, the Fife vernacular. Do you not remember, it was on the interview after your furore that you caused, um, and it's like, we're no black! (laughs) 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 So yes, for those of you that are maybe a little bit far flung, black is a a Scottish slash Fife term used for being dirty, disgusting, smelly, unwashed. Um, unhygienic, whatever, and not meant in any um, racial term whatsoever. You only have to look at Edison Cavani's ban recently. Yeah, uh, I, I had to, I mentioned that on our show here years ago, and I then had to quickly explain to my two co-hosts what I was talking about because of the look of horror on their face. Yeah. And um, last one, um, the fields of Athen Rye. Ah, uh, glory days of gold. You can always say. <laughs> From um, those of you that are maybe newer to the show, Michael and I debated the name of this podcast so many times. And 
you know, a lot of my memories with Michael, whether it be concerts or whatever, or going to East Five games, is singing songs in the terrace. And I really wanted the the name to to mean something to a lot of these five fans that remember it. So um, we used to sing, um, remember the glory days of old. And I wanted to put a, a slight sort of spin on that and we went for glory days of gold. And as soon as I said it to Michael, he's like, that's the one. Yep. So, yeah, and there we are, 30 episodes later, which I think seems to be a great way to, to round off today's show. Well, it's nearly the end, Lee. We've still got to, to fit in this week's wavelength. And talking of controversial songs, I've gone for a band that has many controversial songs. The Mac Lads, I don't know if you're familiar with their work. As per usual, Michael, no. Um, if you're of a sensitive disposition, probably don't watch their stuff on YouTube. Uh, this song has a bit of swearing in it, but it's a football-related song. The, the Mac Lads were from Macclesfield, um, and Macclesfield were one of the clubs that went bust in 2020 due to COVID, kicked out of the English National League. So I thought, since we've been talking about stuff like that, I'll start the year off with a fun song. This is from their 1990s album, The Beer Necessities. This is the Mac Lads, and don't fear the sweeper. A bag of shite. The goalie is a twit and the striker is a twat. The referee's a gate and he's blinder than a bat. So what? You scored? Why show your fucking guts? You might have won, but we got massive nuts.
The Mac Lads there from 1990, Don't Fear the Sweeper, a fun wavelength song to kick the year off. This month, my wavelength selection is all going to be songs about fans kind of travelling away supporters, that, that kind of stuff, because we, we can't do that just now. And that does actually bring us to the end of the show this week. Michael and I are very excited to get off and, and watch the semi-final of the darts, so hopefully... Oh, and the flying Scotsman! Come on, Gary. Hopefully by this time tomorrow night we'll be watching them in the final, but... Um, next week we're hoping to bring back to you some of the more fun segments we're going to try and bring back the Who Are You, we're going to try and bring back Bayview A to Z and we're going to try and bring uh, and we are going to bring you yes. the centre-back selection Not so try We will bring you centre-back selection so send us in your um, your thoughts of who should be our centre-back pairing Chris Higgins and Stephen Tweed seem to like uh, a pretty good one for me, but Johnny Smart's got to be in there somewhere. So this is going to be probably one of the most difficult um, positions to pick. But again, thank you um, for all your support throughout 2020. Looking forward to, to being with you all through 2021. And until then, stay safe, wear a mask and one the five. into your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.